Hello and welcome to episode 69 of the Telling the Story podcast. I am Matt Pearl, author of the Telling the Story blog and a reporter at NBC in Atlanta. This podcast is all about developing your voice as a journalist and developing the skills to harness that voice. Today's episode, how to do that and be a parent. An important conversation, whether or not you have kids. I'm excited to introduce my guest and I'll do so in a second, but before we do, here's this. First, please subscribe to the podcast on Stitcher Smart Radio. It's the best podcast app I know. It keeps a playlist of your favorite shows and automatically updates with new episodes. Just download the Stitcher app and subscribe to the Telling the Story podcast. Second, rate and review the podcast on iTunes. If you like what you're hearing and you want others to hear it too, a kind rating on iTunes is the best way to boost this podcast in the rankings and in the search. So I kindly encourage that. Finally, you can buy my book, The Solo Video Journalist, wherever fine books are sold. It's a how-to guide for the most in-demand job in local TV news, those who shoot and edit their own reports. It's getting picked up by college classes. It's being read around the world. Again, that's The Solo Video Journalist on sale now. Well, if you are a regular listener of the podcast and a regular reader of my blog, you know that I recently became a dad. My baby girl is eight months old, and she is the center of my world. I wrote about life as a new dad for this month's News Photographer magazine, and I was pleasantly surprised to see another article by a young parent on the page opposite mine. It was called, Yes, You Can Raise a Family and Do Killer Photojournalism Too. I loved the article. I didn't know its author, but I immediately reached out to see if she would join me on the pod. Fast forward to today. Fast forward to my guest, a photojournalist and videographer at the Sacramento Bee in California, Autumn Payne. Welcome to the Telling the Story podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, Autumn, I wanted to have you on today because I feel like we as journalists talk a lot about work-life balance, but we don't always talk about it and maybe don't often talk about it in terms of having kids. You wrote a very powerful piece for the magazine, and there's so much in it that I could relate to as a parent, also plenty that I couldn't relate to not being a mom. So for those who haven't read the piece, what did you want to get across? Um, I really just wanted to talk about kind of the challenges or the difficulties of being a mother and being a very committed photojournalist. Um, It's something that we don't necessarily talk about a lot because, um, for one, there aren't as many female photojournalists out there, and those that do go into the profession, many of them are not mothers. So um, when I became pregnant, I was the first pregnant photojournalist that had been here at the Sacramento Bee before. And That's incredible. I, <laughs> yeah, well, you, you know, you figure it's 2018, <laughs> um, and there's a lot of female photojournalists in schools, in college programs, um, but not necessarily you know, working, uh, pregnant or young mothers that are photojournalists. It's just, um, not done as much. It's certainly done. There's, there's more, there are people out there, but I didn't personally know anyone that had gone through pregnancy and, uh, was shooting. And so I was really questioning how this was all going to play out and it did not play out how I expected it to play out at all. Um, as I mentioned in the article, I, I had this expectation that I was going to be a hundred percent photojournalist and a hundred percent mother. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, I know the feeling. And, and 
<laughs> to an extent, that is definitely true. I'm committed to both, but priorities change when you have a child. Um, I stepped down to part-time, which is not something I had planned to at all. And that definitely affected my career, but I've still done career highlight work as a working photojournalist parent. So um, it's all working out great and it's all working out the way I feel good about, but um, I just wanted to open up a conversation about um, finding solutions for parents and supporting parents and, and what that really looks like, because we tend to be very obsessive about our careers, right? I mean, that's, yep. the, that's, yes. the, that's the personality. You have to have that drive. You have to be obsessive, committed, like do anything, be anywhere at any time. And if you're a parent, that's just not um, the reality of parenthood. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so many things that you said uh, I found really interesting, and I think you mentioned being the first uh, pregnant photographer in 30 years at the B, and that's actually kind of incredible to me because at my station in Atlanta, we've had so many reporters, and uh, I'm not sure about photojournalists, but certainly people who are in the field uh, every day become parents and make that adjustment um, you know, there's there's a pretty good apparatus in our newsroom. They're very good with new parents. So it's almost astonishing to hear that at a major outlet like the Bee that there that you were a, a pioneer in some ways. Now that that's not to say there's not pregnant reporters. There right. have been many pregnant reporters, but pregnant photojournalists specifically, um, I think that that's it. It's a it's a special niche right there mm-hmm. um, when you're lugging around really heavy camera gear and it's very physical you know so i had i have this waist harness pack that i use and um you know i bought the next bigger size belt for it mm-hmm. and intending to use it and i never did <laughs> because <laughs> i actually stopped shooting before i got that big um because, and i should say too that yeah. that our reporters largely at my station are also shooting their own stuff so oh, when they go okay. through it, they are definitely facing the physical demands that you're talking about. And I actually did a survey about two years ago among solo video journalists and found that um, largely for the female solo video journalists, we didn't see many respondents that were in their 30s. And there were several who were very concerned about what they were going to do once they started having kids and what they mm-hmm. were going to do when they were pregnant and would their industry back their up back them up and did you find that you needed to do a lot of leading uh, among the managers and among the bosses in your newsroom well I was very fortunate to have an amazing boss I mean he and I uh, I mean he's just supported me from day one and and whatever professional or personal needs that I had as an employee I mean he understood that the best employees are the ones that are also satisfied in their personal life and um, he was always there supporting me so we both um, didn't really know what to expect with it but I knew that I had his support a hundred percent and I did. And he, um, we just kept the communication open. You know, he just, the first trimester, I was like, Oh man, I'm just feeling sick 24 seven for 
the first 14 weeks, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I kind of spaced vacation days. So I was working four days a week during that time. And I let go of my photo column and we just kind of took it as it came. You know, um, he was very supportive and open door as far as, um, what my needs were. And, and I never felt that, um, uh, that I wasn't supported or getting what I needed at work. You started your piece in the magazine with a paragraph that really resonated with me. And I'll just read it verbatim. You wrote, When I was 21, I knew I wanted to become a photojournalist, but I have known all my life that I wanted to be a mother. And I say something very similar to that in my piece, and and I've said that before on the podcast about, you know, as ambitious as I am as a journalist and as a reporter and as much as I love my work, none of it supersedes my desire to be a dad and now being a dad, my desire to be uh, a good dad and a dad who is around and who is there and who's making sure that I'm there for big moments in my baby's life, even at eight months old. So I really, you know, I think there are many young journalists who haven't had to confront that yet, but certainly have felt that in the back of their minds and wonder what that transition is going to be like. And I'm curious for you, I know your daughter is four years old now, but mm-hmm. when you first returned to work and when you first started to try to balance your job with your new job as a parent, what were the hurdles? What were the challenges? Um, the first challenge was getting out the door. Literally and figuratively. Um, but I went back one day a week for um, the first month or two. And then I went back uh, two days a week and I'm currently two days a week and I fill in as needed from there. Um, But I, I underestimated the bond between a mother and their baby, especially um, well for any mother and baby really. But I, I was just so incredibly bonded to her that the thought of one day away from her was just horrible. Mm -hmm. I cried for probably 24 hours before I left her. And that's just for one day a week. People are like, oh, you're working only one day a week. And I'm like, that's eight hours. I'm (laughs) not there with my child. You don't understand. This is like, this is horrible. And my child would not accept a bottle. Um, I followed the advice to establish breastfeeding before offering a bottle at three weeks of age. And by that time, she wanted to have nothing to do with it. And so we were actually calling lactation consultants to consult us on how to bottle feed um, because I couldn't get away from her longer than three hours Um because she would need to eat and she would only take milk from the breast and that was it. Mm -hmm. So that's not something that I had anticipated. So I couldn't go back to shooting right away. It was too unpredictable. So I had to go back um, working on the photo editing desk. So um, I would go home in three hours and feed her and then I would go back to work. Then my husband would take her to my work on my break and I would breastfeed her in the office And uh, so that's what we did until she started taking solids. And then I would have to pump at work, not to give her the breast milk, but just to keep the supply up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just pump and throw it in the garbage. I learned about that process uh, through my wife going through it. And uh, and I, yeah, I mean that I, I cannot believe that there is such 
a burden on that that it seems unavoidable but has to be done during the workday. Yeah, so it's it, there's a lot of technical things to work out, um, and it just it didn't allow for shooting at that point. It mm. just it could not it couldn't happen, and so I didn't go back to shooting for about eighteen months after I returned. Oh wow! And you mentioned the bond and and you know and being in tears about leaving your child for eight hours in it, and I remember when my little girl was around two months old. I had gone back to work at this point. I was I had managed to take about a full month. Uh, we get two weeks of paternity leave, and then I had built up enough vacation early in the year that I could use it. But it still, you know, every day was hard. And then I remembered, uh, and then I remember this one instance where I went in early and stayed late to shoot a longer piece, and. No one asked me to come in earlier, stay late. I did it because I wanted to get these really nice sunrise and sunset shots of the neighborhood that I was covering. And, you know, I wanted to continue to do the, you know, the high-level work that I'd been doing before I became a dad. And that evening, while I was on the shoot, I got a text from my wife saying that my daughter, our daughter, had rolled over for the first time. And I remember being crushed that I had missed this milestone and not because I was doing my job, but because I was doing my job extra because Mm -hmm. suddenly I was wondering, am I putting my work before my child? And, you know, even though I couldn't have predicted that milestone, what should I have done in that situation? And I remember those kinds of things popping up early on and really challenging my, not my desire to tell good stories, but the depths of compromise and sacrifice that I would make at home to do that in a way that hadn't happened before. And that was tough for me to confront. I'm not sure. It sounds like you had a lot of that too early on. Yeah. Well, even today still, you know, you have to ask yourself, is getting that perfect shot for that opener so important to the story that it's going to make and break it that I'm going to put my family out? Mm -hmm. Or is this something that is my perfectionism <laughs> getting the best out of me that's actually not really serving anything except for me trying to make something perfect? You know? And that's so, hard because yeah. we perfectionism is not something you want to have to turn off right. in your work. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I've, I've found myself really prioritizing well first of all if it's ever going to be a contest between my work and my daughter it's always going to be my daughter um she comes first and that's clear in my mind um but when it comes to a story you know you're evaluating how how important is this specific shoot you know or how important is this piece in your story um one of the the pieces that I really bent over backwards for was my recent documentary about the inmate wild horse training program where I was following one inmate and he was being released from jail the next morning at 5.30 in the morning and I didn't have childcare. And I jumped through hoops and I found somebody, I paid her really well. I ended up making $4 an hour that day. (laughs) (laughs) But that was absolutely key in telling that story. And so it was worth it to to go to those lengths to get it. Um, But not every story, even though we have this perfectionist do or die attitude about every shoot, 
not every story may be worth, um, you know, having your daughter wake up without you or missing a milestone or whatever it is. So you, your priorities come in like super, super sharp focus when you become a parent. Completely agree. And it's like you said, I, I think the challenges that so many of us, especially I think those of us who do shoot and edit, those skills often require that perfectionism, you know, and, and the, you know, I can think of so many video editors who, you know, they analyze their edits to the frame uh, and they, they value the rhythm of their pieces so much that they focus that laser focus on it. And it can be tough to dial that back. But I think that, like you said, it, it is a matter of balance and, you know, it's become a thing for me where I know I, I've certainly reevaluated a lot of what I value in terms of, the need to get something for a story. Like I said, like, is that sunset shot going to make or break the piece? You know, even if it makes it better, is it necessary? And trying to make sure that even on times when I do have to be away, whether it's for a night or for a while, I was just last week, I was in Panama City in South Georgia all week covering uh, post-Hurricane Michael stories. And I had to be away from my child for four days. And that was really hard. But I made sure that the weekend before and the weekend after, I cleared my schedule and was entirely devoted to her and spending time with her. And I think it's about making those kinds of decisions and making sure that, you know, it, they say work-life balance. That's where that balance part really comes into play. Mm-hmm. And I think also I'm a little further down the road than you. My daughter's turning yeah. five next month. <laughs> and and the thing about it is is that it is really so fleeting. You know, there there is an end point to um, the level of involvement you have with an infant, you know, then they go into preschool and you're kind of letting go a little bit more and you've got a little bit more time and then she's going to be going to, into school next year. And then you can let her go a little bit more. It's actually good for her. And then you get to get more into your career. So it's not like if you have a child, that's it. You're out forever. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You just have to like step back a little bit. And this kid's going to grow up before you know it, and you can jump right back in if, if that's what you choose to do. And that's another thing, too, that I think is really important to notice. I can't tell you how many times someone has said to me about raising a, an infant that the days are long, but, or the, uh, yeah, the days are long, but the months and years are short. And mm-hmm. that it, it is fleeting, and it does go by very, very quickly. And I think I've had to prioritize that. Sometimes I've turned down potential stories that had weekend shoots. If I didn't really feel like it was a a you know a story that necessitated me being away for that long, and I've done some stories that have had weekend shoots, and they've been the ones that I've put my all into, but I've also turned down quite a bit because I know that the weekends are really the only wide open time that I have with my daughter. The weekdays, you know, we get her up in the morning, and we have about half an hour before we're taking her to, to daycare, and then in the evening got about an hour and a half before we put her to bed so the weekends become really valuable currency and that's where I've had to shift but like you said a lot of that I think is just because of the fact that my daughter is an infant your daughter was an infant a few years ago and that's a period where you really have to set your priorities uh in an important way Mm -hmm. yeah now I wanted to talk about something else that you wrote in the piece you 
talked about that having a baby is an unpredictable process and you know that you had morning sickness from the start and there this is when you were pregnant but then also when you came back to work i think we all have ideas of what we're going to be able to accomplish as parents and then we are confronted with reality what would you want to tell your pre-parenthood self in terms of getting ready for that kind of thing you know what what i would tell myself is exactly what another person told me that I completely ignored. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, there's a, a woman, uh, Sarah DeSalt, and she's an awesome photo editor, uh, mother, photojournalist. Um, she's a leader, and uh, she has three kids. And she came to interview at the Sacramento Bee when I was pregnant, and she said, you know, just realize that after you have the baby for about two years, your your focus is going to be on them and it's okay. And you're, you're going to do your job, but you might need to ease up on it a little bit. And, and it's okay. It's okay. And I was like, nah, <laughs> no, <laughs> not me. No. I was like, I don't want to miss a beat. I've got to keep producing. I've got to be a hundred percent all the time. And I want to keep doing these powerful stories I can do it. And she's like, okay. Yeah. She was very, very kind about it, but she gave me that advice and I did uh, brush it off at the time, but I yeah. did recall it through the next two years thinking, boy, she's, she was so right. She was so right that you just might have to dial it back and it's okay. You know? Was that pressure self-imposed or did you feel that pressure externally from your bosses and from the industry? Um, I wouldn't say it was from my bosses. It was probably self-imposed more than anything. Um, but, you know, it is a very competitive industry and you do need to perform on a regular basis. There's that saying, you're only as good as your last shoot. I don't know if they have that in TV, but... <laughs> I'm sure someone said that in TV. Or or you're only as good as your last photograph. You know, what have you done for me today? So that was kind of the attitude that that I adopted, although my bosses have never said that to me. um, That, you know, it was great. You did something yesterday, but what are you doing today? So um, I've always been extremely um, hard on myself and very driven. And I've relaxed a lot since I've had my kid because my priorities have shifted. And, and I also, I think having a kid makes you realize what's important, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you think about what you're doing a little bit more and what kind of example you're setting for your child. And, you know, do I want her to treat herself like that, <laughs> push herself into the ground or, um, you know, you're just you're just a little more cognizant of what you're doing as a person and as a journalist when you have a little kid looking up to you. This is the Telling the Story podcast. I am Matt Pearl. She is Autumn Payne, photographer and videographer for the Sacramento Bee and mother to four-year-old Kaya. Uh, Autumn, when I read your article, I wanted to learn more about you, and I went to your website, autumnpayne.com. I watched a few of your videos, and there was one in particular that caught my eye and actually dovetails almost entirely with what you were just talking about. The video is called Alpha Female Introduction, and it's a minute explaining how you are not just a photographer, but an alpha female, and at the end, you bring on Kaya, and you say, and I'm raising an alpha female daughter. (laughs) 
I you were just talking about you know how what you do can influence how your child sees the world. How has your job influenced how you raise your daughter to be an alpha female? Oh my goodness. Oh, there's just so many ways. I mentioned in my article that I think journalists make amazing parents and, and they do because, um, you know, not just to toot my own horn, but all of my colleagues, like we're just so aware of the world around us and what's happening, not just the news, but just the personal stories out there and how things affect people. I mean, we just learn so much and we know so much about our community. Um, that I think we have a lot to share with the next generation and with our own children. And, and um, gosh, we're just the ultimate researchers, <laughs> right? I mean, we can research toys, we can research schools, we can research whatever it is that they need, <laughs> but also giving them that, that bigger perspective of where they fit into their community and, and, the ways in which they can conduct their life in a, a way that has a positive effect on others. And, you know, also I get to do really amazing work. I get to just see things and do things that people don't often get to do and setting that example that you can do whatever it is that you want to do. Um, I don't know. I think journalists do make, make good parents, very good parents. What are the things that you think your daughter sees when she observes you as not just a mom, but as a journalist? What are the, what are the things that you think she picks up on from watching you at work? Um, I'm not, not that you bring your daughter to work I, with you. Yeah, I'm not so <laughs> sure she really understands what I do for work yet. I do show the videos that I make, and she's very interested in in that um but when i was shooting that alpha female piece she just she was walking around the house saying i am an alpha female i am an alpha female <laughs> <laughs> just going on and on about it and, oh my goodness she's so strong-willed and she just doesn't seem to have any limits um she's super extroverted she wants to be in everybody's business and um she's she's just amazing and and I, I think I am setting an example for for what is possible for a, a woman to do but not just not just the career I think that that would all fall flat if I weren't also there for her emotionally as a mother mm -hmm. you know because if you're an amazing um, employee but you're not fulfilling the emotional needs of your child they're going to or resent your work, I think, and discount it later on. So there really has to be both for for that to be effective. Your daughter is four years old, about to be five next month. When she goes around the house saying, I'm an alpha female, I'm an alpha female, what does that mean to her? And <laughs> I have and, no idea. <laughs> and follow-up question, what does that mean to you? That she says that now, even if it and, and maybe even because, like you said, she probably doesn't grasp everything that that might entail. Oh, yeah, that's that's such an interesting question. I mean, 
She's got a really large vocabulary, so she says things <laughs> that surprise me all the time. But then later she'll ask me, well, what does that word mean? So <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I think she's saying things she did, that she doesn't understand. But then again, if she questions me what that word means, sometimes I don't even can't even explain it. We just inherently know what it is. So I think she's kind of picking up on a certain strength, maybe. Um, or a certain uh, drive that I have, and she certainly has it too. I mean, she's she's a very, very strong character. Um, so I don't know. I mean, they're watching us closer than we're watching ourselves. Mm. So you got to uh, live your life in a way that you really feel good about internally. I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think that's. A, I think it's a hard question to answer because it really, like you said, I think it's so difficult sometimes. And listen, your baby, your your child can actually talk to you. My child, uh, you know, merely says "dada" over and over and over again. So it's tar- You know, it's it's hard to know exactly what she's thinking or what she's picking up. But but I think there is something there to you know, just in a in a cosmic sense or in a subtle way that the things we do as parents and even the professions that we choose somehow rub off on our children, whether it happens at eight months old or four years old or when they're teenagers, you know, I'm sure it happens in different ways. But but I, I definitely, you know, I, I when I read your article, I thought about something you said that I preach a lot that I think applies to this, which is that you wrote that everything we are as individuals, our culture, our race, our gender, and family makeup, affects our ability to relate to and report on stories. And I think, similarly, there has to be, I would imagine, a way in which that filters down to the children and young adults that we raise. And like you said, I think it, it certainly helps our abilities when it comes to research and when it comes to finding the you know, the right daycare, the right school system, or the right foods to feed our kids. But I think it's also a certain way of seeing the world that probably comes across. And I wonder if you've started to notice that at all in the way that Kaya views the world, even at four years old. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, as a photo editor and a photojournalist, you're going through the seeing the worst visuals and the best visuals <laughs> in the world you know we see so many photos that aren't even run of of massacres people just horrible horrible pictures that the public doesn't see of just tragedy and it's really hard to deal with and i've had to accept that this is the world we live in and there's good things and there's bad things and um we do our best to be a good in the world, but we have to accept that it comes with bad. And, and it's just, I don't want her to be brought down by the bad. So, you know, if we see a dead insect on the road, just, oh, poor, poor insect. <laughs> and it's like, no, that's life. You know, there's life and <laughs> everything that lives must die. You know, there's, there's tragedy. And I, one time I got really upset with her and I was like, you know, there's kids that are abused, you know, and <laughs> I didn't, oh, it's no. not something that I had planned to say. It was something in the heat of the moment, but it's like, no, I have done stories on children that have been abused. And these are things that we can talk about, you know, and, and kind of the best and the worst of the human experience that, that she's going to learn 
um, not firsthand, but uh, I have touched many of these subjects in a way that you don't necessarily touch um, when you're not living a life that goes into these scenes all the time or regularly. I think that's such a good point. And I, I mean, I can tell you that, and again, I'm my baby is eight months old, but I can tell you that there have been times where I have had some heavy moments at work and I'll be feeding my daughter and I'll start thinking about those moments at work and I'm clearly not happy about it and I'm clearly frustrated or upset or just sad about something. And then I'll look at my daughter and I can tell she's looking at me with a very different facial expression. Her eyes kind of open up just a little more and and her mouth kind of has a quizzical look on it mm-hmm. and she's staring intently at me and I know that she can sense that I don't know if she can sense that something is wrong but she can definitely sense that something is on my mind and I know that as she grows older those are probably things that I'm going to have to confront both internally but also answering her questions you know if I seem upset about something and she asks dad you know what's wrong how am I going to respond to that and those are those are heavy thoughts. Those are weighty issues as a parent, I think. Yeah, I was just uh, dealing with this yesterday. Or, yeah, it was yesterday. She's like, Mommy, what makes you sad? Oh, lots of things. Well, what exactly makes you sad? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, you know, you try to come up with age-appropriate material to answer that question with. But yeah. it's a continual conversation, and the key, children are always keying into your emotions. So that's only going to get more intense with more um, pointed questions mm-hmm. as your daughter gets older. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Telling the Story podcast. I'm Matt Pearl. She is Autumn Payne, a photographer, videographer for the Sacramento Bee. Uh, Autumn, I, I like to use this final section as an advice section for younger journalists uh, specifically, and you know, we've been talking a lot about parenthood, but I've buried the lead a little bit in terms of your accomplishments. You've had photos, in addition to your work with The Bee, you've had photos published in the New York Times. You've produced uh, documentaries that have received awards from film festivals. And, you know, as I mentioned early on, you wrote in the piece how you knew you wanted to be a photojournalist when you were 21. How did you get into the field and what made you want to get into the field? Oh, man, it was a long road. I was uh, started out interested in art um, through my entire life and then found photography in high school. And then early in college, I, I decided I wanted to focus on photography because I liked the people aspect, whereas, uh, you know, painting, drawing can be more of an introverted activity that I like the extroverted part of it. And then... Uh, Long story short, I uh, <laughs> did a, a I, I just I found a Pulitzer Prize winning photographer, and I said, "Hey, I want to be your assistant," and that was Manny Chrysostomo, and so I was his assistant for free for a while, and I just started huh. learning about him and his job, and and was really interested. Started freelancing for a local paper, and then I went and finished my degree in photojournalism. So um, it was really uh, observing him and finding meaning in art, you know, that, yeah. that led me to it. No kidding. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, now fast forward and you're in your mid thirties and you've got a daughter. And 
as you wrote in the piece, you're still doing career highlight work. And this documentary uh, that just came out, I watched that on your website again, autumnpain.com. There's just some tremendous work, both photo and video-wise, on that website from Autumn. So you're producing this kind of work. Do you... Is that because you've been able to scale back in terms of the number of days that you feel like you're able to focus more? Is it just because, you know, more life experience, more skill? What have been the key factors to producing your best work at this stage of your career? Yeah, well, I think that I've become even more efficient (laughs) than Ah. ever before. (laughs) Because when you have to get home by a certain time to take care of your kid, you're not messing around. You know, not that I was being lazy before because I certainly was not being lazy, but now I am super focused, super efficient with the time that I do have at work. Like I'm really pushing uh, hard to make that time count. And uh, it always did before, but you know, if I come across a really good story like the documentary, they're just going to make it happen, you know, cobbling together um, childcare, you know, switching shifts with my husband. Um, there was one day I worked where I was doing a story at the Wild Horse uh, program where I think I switched shifts with him twice with my daughter to like <laughs> go shoot it, come home, take care of her while he went to his thing. And then he came back, took over. I went back to work, (laughs) edited the piece, wrote the story, did like everything start to finish in one day. You just get super efficient. I mean, you can do it if you really love it. You know, I I believe it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, a recent podcast guest, Jay Akunzo, talks a lot about embracing your limitations and, you know, using the fact that you might have, you might not have all the time in the world to focus your energy and do your best work in that space. And I think that's absolutely right. That goes to what you're saying, that sometimes when you have just a few days a week or a few key projects, you're able to really focus hard on them and make the sacrifices for them rather than spreading them out over a wider base of work. And I also think having a certain confidence in yourself and your abilities to to make it work, even if things don't turn out exactly as you want them. You know, in that documentary, there was a couple days of filming that I had scheduled that my daughter got a flu and then I got the flu. And that was the only time those particular scenes were happening and I missed them. I mean, there's no getting those Mm. back. And you know what? You just go, okay, uh, I don't have it. And so we're just going to move forward and keep telling the story and use what we have and uh, have the confidence that you can pull it off. (laughs) (laughs) And you do. What is something that we haven't touched on in discussing parenthood, new parenthood, uh, toddler parenthood, child parenthood, that the young journalists of today maybe aren't thinking about when Hmm. they look at their careers uh, ahead of them and look at their lives ahead of them? Um, well, I, I don't know. This may be off topic, but I think uh, taking care of your body is super <laughs> important. That's really because, important, yeah. Uh, you know, I just turned 40 and I've, I've had a couple shoulder surgeries now because of uh, carrying gear on my shoulders. And I always tell the interns, take care of 
take care of yourself. And, you know, that goes into pregnancy too. Like my back wasn't quite all together with, um, you know, carrying all this gear. And so I had a lot of back problems with the pregnancy and, and, um, you know, when you're really young, it's easy to just rush out there with all that gear. Um, but you really have to kind of take a long view if you want to do this for a long time and take care of your body, you know, um, make sure that you're exercising and <laughs> keeping all together. I'm not sure if that's where you're going for, but. <laughs> hey, no, that actually is a really good point. And I can tell you that uh, this past weekend, I carried my baby so much in my baby carrier that I had to be really careful because my back was hurting like wild when I returned to work and had to pick up a camera again. So I think there is that fact that like, you know, you don't want to overdo it in either direction. Physically, you want to be able to not just be able to do your job at a high level, but also have the energy and the capacity to take care of your children. And it is, it is a real energy drain. So making sure that you do take care of yourself so that when you do have kids, you can feel good about that and you can, you know, be in a position to have the energy to play and to do all the things that your children are going to need. Yeah. And a lot of people, if they go into photojournalism, they're probably putting off kids until, you know, later on, which is great. I think it makes for really mature parents. Um, and that's a good thing, but you know, you got to take care of your body so that you can handle it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Autumn. Well, now the true final question, the uh, famous reporter's question. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you wanted to add? Oh, man. I don't know. I just think that even though I I really wanted to be a mother, I, um, I didn't uh, – I felt bad stepping away from my career to make it happen. You know, I, I felt guilty about it and I felt like I wasn't performing to my full degree, but but it really is okay to do that because having a child and nurturing them the way that you see fit is just as important, if not more so, than our mission as journalists. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. And I think it's really important, too, to be able to reassess that fact over the course of the months and years and being willing to say, okay, I thought it was going to be like this, but it's actually like this and I'm going to adjust. Mm -hmm. And knowing that, that, that adjustment, there's no perfect balance. Things are just going to keep going kind of mm -hmm. towards the career, towards your child, back and forth. You know, it's, it's, it's never perfect, but it's always evolving and you just keep reevaluating and keep, you know, just doing the best you can. All and, right. you know, kids need to see you make mistakes, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's also and true. And they'll point them out. Them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they'll let you know. All right. Well, this has been such a, a, an enjoyable and a, and a rich conversation. Autumn Payne, thank you so much for joining me on the Telling the Story podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And the Telling the Story blog updates every Wednesday. The website is tellingthestoryblog.com. Rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast on Stitcher Smart Radio. Check out my book, The Solo Video Journalist. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Telling the Story podcast. We'll see you next time. Yeah.